Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. Hopefully, this will inspire you to talk more about it and discuss it. Uh, I really do hope this inspires you to travel more and ultimately enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a, different, a variety of different social media platforms, of course, starting with my website at www.theprofessortravel.com, on YouTube, on Facebook, and on TikTok. You can now reach me at The Professor Travel. Uh, if you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. Um, if you're a Twitter -er 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 -er, then you can find me there at the professor TR1. And then if you're a blogger, you can find me on theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today I am welcoming again one of my wonderful visiting professors, Marissa Paul Frederico. How are you, my dear? I'm good. I'm good. There seems to be a little bit of a lag on my side, but I'm not really sure. That's okay. Um, Can you hear me okay though? I can indeed. Okay, so we'll just I'll, we'll wait we'll wait like a, a second to, between responses just in case there's a problem there. But for the benefit of my students who aren't really familiar with you or who hadn't seen some of your previous episodes that we've recorded, talk to us a little bit about your credentials and maybe a few places that you've traveled. Sure. Um, I actually am a uh, professor. Uh, that's where I earn most of my money. College professor. I teach international business and all sorts of other business courses. But I am also a cultural photographer. And I have had photographs in magazines and all sorts of publications and what have you. I also sell my photographs. Um, I have been traveling all over the world since I'm about 18, uh, when I first went to college in London. And uh, I've, I've been to I, as far south as Tierra del Fuego, um, as far north as uh, the tip of Iceland. And I, I just, I've been all over the world, uh, all over Southeast Asia, several places in Africa. Of course, one we're going to talk about today. Yes. And um, yeah, I just, I, I, I wish COVID would be over so I could get back on the road. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> or on a plane, on a plane, I should say. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, and I don't even know if you've had time to record this information, but I was wondering, because I've been to 23 countries thus far within the last probably 10 years or so. And I was wondering, have you actually thought about how many countries you've visited in total? You know, I haven't counted, but I do have a map behind uh, on the other side of my office that I'm sitting in uh, where I've got everything scratched off. So, you know, I've been to a lot and a lot. I'm looking at it a lot scratched off, but I see a lot unscratched. So, you know, I got to hurry up and get back out there. <laughs> 
Great questions. So maybe in the next interview, sometime soon, we can maybe count out and see how many you've been to. Not that it's a bucket list or anything. I mean, for me, it is, but it would be really interesting to know just how far you've gone. Now, before we get started, though, I'd love to know a little bit about this wonderful picture that you have on the screen right now. And again, for my podcast listeners who are out there, it's a wonderful picture of Marissa between two gentlemen. It looks like uh, in African shawls. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yes, those are Maasai warriors. And I spent quite a bit of time in Tanzania with the Maasai. Uh, with one particular tribe, um, both both the men, uh, more with the women actually, but I, I spent some time with the men and I spent some time in their village as well. So those are uh, Maasai warriors that I'm standing with. Excellent. So talk to us for this particular for this specific trip. It sounds like you made a decision to go to Tanzania in Africa. Talk to me a little bit about why you decided to do this type of a trip. Well, um, a couple of reasons. Uh, One, I was heading down to South Africa to spend time with friends uh, that lived there. Uh, But I didn't want to just go to South Africa again. And, you know, I love South Africa, but I've been going there since 1992. So when I go... I do try and incorporate, you know, another country. Tanzania has always uh, been a, a destination on my bucket list, you know, speaking of that. And and, and I was actually working for a magazine at the time. I was um, doing reviews as well as um, photographs for a travel magazine. So I ended up choosing Tanzania and I, and I did a glamping trip, which was, um, was a lot of fun. And I was the only one, uh, on the trip. It was just me and like 12 guys which wow. uh, that, that were hosting. Not wow. They weren't on the trip. They were, they were taking care of me. And, you know, at my, at my, with my every whim, I had about 12 guys just you know, <laughs> giving me everything I need. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. So let me ask you this. How long in advance did you start to plan for this kind of a trip? Well, um, I started a few months in advance. I typically would advise somebody for something like this to plan much further in advance um, because this was towards the end of the, uh, the Great Migration in, that was that's in the um, the Tanzania area. The animals were already starting to head back towards Kenya, so you really do need to plan a little bit more in advance. Um, I just, you know, it, it, timing was just right for me, and it was and it was two thousand and eight. So we were kind of you know in a a bit of an economic downturn, and it was just fortunate timing for me. Talk to me a little bit about the Great Migration. I'm not really too familiar with that. Is that a long, like almost like like the birds flying south for the winter kind of situation? The Great Migration is fascinating. It's um, it's breathtaking, is all I can say. It's something I think if anybody has wanderlust or, or has a bucket list with travel on it, it's something you need to definitely put on there. Um, it's it's the wildebeest, which you might know here in the United States also as the new. Um, it's the, them and the zebras migrating all between around the Serengeti um, through the uh, the Mara. Um, they, they migrate every year in a circle, basically, uh, from Kenya to Tanzania and back. And this goes on 
you know, almost all year round. Uh, well, really two seasons. The migrations are two seasons. Um, one season they head down and the other season they head up. Um, and it's for grazing purposes, but it's it's literally millions of animals uh, migrating. And it, I can't I, it, I can't even I can't even explain it. it it's, it's just so amazing to see. Sounds really amazing. Now, in preparation, and I'll tell you more about it when we get there. <laughs> so, in preparation for this, did you have to get any type of either a visa? I, I, I imagine there might have been special travel medications that you needed in order to inoculate yourself on certain things ahead of time, especially if you're going out in the bush area. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you do need a visa for Tanzania. At least you did at the time. I'm sure we still do uh, as U.S. citizens. Not every country does. Um, so you needed a visa. Fairly simple process. I got it in South Africa, actually. And um, yellow fever inoculation, uh, malaria pills, of course, because you are out in the jungle. Um uh, that, those are, and, you know, and other than that, your, your typical inoculations that you would get uh, going, you know, anywhere. Okay, sounds great. So, what do you prepack for something like this? Everything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, bear with me for one second. Of course. I just figured out why I might have been lagging a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet my battery was running low and I didn't switch on the uh, power. Are you you able to see me now? Okay. Uh, Everything is so much better. It's amazing. Okay. There you go. Awesome. So, um, Getting ready for the trip, actually, you know, I, I don't I don't pack a ton. I'm, I'm not a, like a two suitcase packer. Um, I, I have, you know, a lot of camera gear being a photographer, uh, but I do have like a travel camera backpack that I that I use. Um, and then one one duffel bag suitcase. And really, you're, you're looking at, you know, some sturdy hiking boots. Um, you want clothing for both warm and cold weather. Uh, you, you know, you want, you want to have layers because it's going to be, you know, very chilly in the morning when you go out in the drive. Um, it's going to be chilly late in the evening, but it can get very hot during the day. Mm. So you, you definitely want to have lots of layers. And any type of, um, like anti-mosquito, I mean, I know you're already taking anti-malaria yeah. stuff, but I mean, like anti-mosquito sprays or like sun protection hats, yeah. things like that. Yeah, um, uh, I, my hair is so thick, I, the sun never hits it. So, but yes, typically sun protection hats, um, uh, mosquito, mosquito lotion or spray with DEET. Uh, one thing I did do that I recommend to anybody going to areas like this is pre-spray all of your clothing with mm-hmm. para, para, paramethrin. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, you can get it um, uh, on Amazon. You can get it uh, at uh, probably at REI or any outdoor place. But you want to spray all of your clothing, and that will last through at least five to six washes. It will stay. But that is a, a mosquito repellent with DEET. It is not harmful to your clothing. It is not harmful to you. Um, but it, it's an extra layer of protection because you do not want to get malaria. Understood. And then, so where which airport did you fly out from? Because I mean, since since I knew you here in Southern California, I know you've moved a couple times uh, to yeah. Utah and then over to Oregon as well. Right. Um, so where were you, where were you flying out of for this specific trip? 
I flew out of LAX for this one. Okay. I was I was living in Los Angeles. So yeah, I flew out of LAX uh, through London uh, to uh, Johannesburg, uh, spent some time with my friends, and then from there uh, flew to uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Okay, so uh, how, which airline did you end up taking? Uh, I think I took Virgin um, to all the way, Virgin Atlantic to uh, South Africa. And I'm not positive on the airline. I might have, oh, I think I took SAA uh, from South Africa to Tanzania. Okay. And did anything stand out as far as negative experiences or were there any like no, super positive? I'm, I'm a big fan of Virgin Atlantic. And and to be, I'll be really honest with me, with you. I mean, a friend of mine that I was going to visit gave me miles and put me in first class. So oh. I have nothing to complain about. <laughs> well, then in that particular case, yeah. I'm sure you had a lovely flight. I had um, a lovely flight. <laughs> uh, now, in terms of the pre-vacation destination, you spent a little bit of time, like how long were you in South Africa for? Oh, I was gone for a month altogether. Okay. Um, so I spent uh, about a week with my friends uh, before going, and then I spent another week or so, a little bit of hair over a week uh, when I got back. You know, that actually brings up a new question I wanted to ask you your opinion on. When you're traveling to a place like South Africa, where it's so far around the globe from where you're at, you probably don't want to just spend a week. You know, I would imagine you want to spend at minimum two weeks, maybe longer in, in terms of something like that. Am I right in that assumption? A hundred percent. You really need to spend as much time as, as you can afford to get away because it, the process of getting there takes so long yeah. and getting back takes so long. It's not jet lag because you're, you're really, you know, I mean, I don't suffer jet lag typically anyway, but you're, you're going more south. So you're, you're not, you know, worrying about crossing international date lines. But the process of getting there is, is really taking two days out of your trip on either side. So you've got four days of traveling. To, there's no way you, you know, if you're going for a week, you, you wouldn't see anything. There's no point. If you're going for two weeks, you're really cutting it close. So you really want to, as much time as possible. I, I suggest people go over, you know, you know, incorporate, you know, national holidays uh, so they can get some extra time when they're doing it, uh, something like that. I think I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I, I go back to 2015, 2016, when I went to Thailand, yeah. I only spent a week there and I feel like just getting there, yeah. like getting there and getting back were each about a day. So, I mean, you're already dealing with a full day's worth of transportation on those cases. Right. And then you feel like it's taken away from your vacation because you mm-hmm. had so, you felt like your time was kind of impacted in that. There's, there's no downtime because you're yeah. running, running, running to see everything. Exactly. And every day it's like jump 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 in order to get a new thing going because you want you don't want to you want to take advantage of everything you really don't have that ability just to kind of chill and relax for a day because and soak and soak in the atmosphere that to me that's huge being able to soak in the atmosphere talk to locals um those are the things that make your experience what it is and and this is true Mm -hmm. even if you're on a tour you know i mean you know i'm not a fan of tours i don't do typically tours although this was a bit more of a tour yeah but you still have time to soak in with the locals, maybe stay a day after, you know, a couple of days, you know, before, whatever it is, um, just to get the local atmosphere. Absolutely. Okay. So you arrive in Tanzania from South Africa. Um, talk to me a little bit about the city that you arrived in and what your accommodations were going to be like while you were there. Uh, okay. Right. You arrive into Dar es Salaam. 
Dar es Salaam, okay. Which is on the coast. Um, I had, um, I think when I got there, if my memory serves me correct, when I first got there, um, I a driver picked me up at the airport and drove me right to a coffee plantation. Mm. So, yeah, that was really rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, tough, tough times, tough times. Um, the coffee plantation was in Arusha. Um, Arusha is a very, very famous town. It's not a huge city. Um, it's famous because it was the uh, the town where the um, a lot of talks about you know civil war from other countries have you know taken place. Um, you know from Rwanda to uh, you know the South after South Africa South African apartheid ended. So Arusha has a lot of famous um, mediating qualities to it in history. Uh, but it is also the jumping off point if you're going to climb Kilimanjaro. Mm. Um, which I did not. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make that clear. <laughs> how 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 large is Kilimanjaro compared to other mountains, mountain ranges that are that we, that you've been to previously? Well, it, it's the highest peak in all of Africa, so um, it, it it is pretty high. But it's not like you know the Andes. It's nowhere close to the Andes or to the Himalayas um, or the Himalaya. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's nowhere near that, but it, it, it is still pretty high and it is a grueling climb. Um, I, I met some people that had done it. Uh, one was a lady who was 70 years old. I just, wow. I so impressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt like a slug. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very impressive, but yeah. yeah. So it is, it's a climb that a lot of people like to do. Okay, so what is your itinerary going to look like while you're there in Tanzania? Well, um, I went to the the coffee plantation the first night, mm-hmm. and then the next morning they you know learned about the coffee plantation and what have you, and of course you know I had several cups of coffee. Of course, I you know I don't want to offend my host. Uh, clearly, um, yeah. And I know you don't like to drink coffee that much. So no, uh, I'm not a I'm not a coffee drinker at all. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Pretty um, loves prop humor. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, prop humor. I, I, I aim to please. Okay. Um, and then they, they flew me in a small plane out to um, the Serengeti. Speaking of prop humor. Ah! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're on today. We're both I, I haven't even had my copy yet. It's just the natural insanity kicking in. Yeah. Okay. So the, so the, you're going to the Serengeti. You're going to do the glamping thing. And for those who are not familiar with the term, it just basically means like a glamorous camping trip for, for the most part. Correct? Correct. When, when you, when you go on into one of these, like four or five, this was a five star, but I mean, there, there are four star, there are three star um, tent camping it's not what you think of tent camping um it's where you're catered to the tent is a gorgeous house that just happens to be made out of canvas and um there's a shower that is a manual shower that somebody actually boils water and puts in a this this thing above your head and you get this lovely hot shower whenever you want it's uh, so yeah it's camping but it's not camping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about in terms of concern over 
my biggest concern, and I'm a wimp when it comes to traveling. Okay. So I'm going to be very honest. I love traveling, but I'm more of a city slicker. And so for me going out to the bush, I'm always going to be concerned about things like snakes, especially poisonous snakes, um, stuff like that. And I know that there are some really, really dangerous creatures in Africa. So how, how exactly, how exactly were you preparing for that kind of a situation, especially when you're doing a camping trip like this? Well, I, I, you know, as you know, and, and I don't know if your your listeners know this yet, but I, I'm I'm a little bit of a Indiana Jones light uh, because I won't climb Kilimanjaro, but, <laughs> but I, I don't worry about uh, I'll, I'll face danger, you know, with animals and things anytime. Doesn't you know? It's it's part of the thrill for me. Um, I mean, I've 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 pushed a pushed a car with a a leopard, you know, twenty feet away and a black mamba hanging over my head uh, because the car wouldn't start. So what do you do? So I, those things don't bother me. But when you're glamping, you don't really have to worry about that because there there are there are men with rifles, <laughs> and and it's rifles to you know protect you against wild animals. So yeah, you, you really don't have to worry about that. When when you go glamping, when you go to one of these resorts uh in the middle of the Serengeti, not a problem. They're basically scouting out the area ahead of time to make sure that it's not that oh, dangerous yeah. and you have people who are protecting you at all times. And you're walked to and from your tent. Um, it's it's. I mean, I mean, it is. It's safe to go outside of your tent too. But but you're you're during the day. Wouldn't do it at night. But you know, you're you're, you're walked to and from. There there are you know plenty of employees around that that know the area. I mean, the Maasai. I'll get to a story about that. But you know, if you have a Maasai warrior around you. you don't need to be afraid of anything do they where what are the bathroom facilities like when you're when you're in this kind of an environment well in in like a five-star camp or even a four-star camp you have your own facilities in in your tent you they're toilet. actually inside the tent yes you have oh. a toilet you have a you have an actual bathroom okay the well, showers out the shower is just outside the door in an enclosed area but you have a, a full american style toilet western style toilet all right that that that's the moderns of wonder. That's that's better than I got in some areas of Thailand. So good, oh, good oh, job for there. Sure. For sure. Awesome. So uh, okay. So you're you're just now here. Um, talk to me about the story that you were about to share. By the way, which one? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So you so you just so you just get started. Uh, what are what are you seeing as you go through this process? You know, gotcha. what, are some, okay. what are some of the things you're seeing? So. Um, I'm in I'm in the I'm in the tent um, and the first night and of course the stampede is going and you can hear this thundering of animals running past and, and they're not they're not right up against the tent but it sounds like it so it's there's this just adrenaline rush you get knowing that this this amazing thing that happens every year is happening right outside your tent and the sounds, the thundering sounds of the animals running by. It's incredible. It's, it's really something that I would never forget. So that, that was, that was the first, the first aspect that you really go, wow, I I am literally in the middle of this great migration um, of animals. Uh, And then they, you know, they, they take you, um, they take you in to see it. I happened to be the only one there at the time. And they took me to see anything I wanted. It was, it was quite remarkable. 
How many days were you going to be there for? I was at that particular camp four days, okay. four nights, four nights, five days. Okay. Um, and they took me down to the Mara River where we saw the hippos. And I was a little nervous because more people are killed in Africa by hippos than any other animal. That can get very aggressive from what I'm told. And they're fast. I mean, you wouldn't think something that fat would be that fast. And yet it is. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big girl and, you know, I was a little <laughs> nervous about running away from these big girls, you know? <laughs> so, um, they, but they, um, you know, we, they were on the other side of the river and I, I kept saying to the guy, I'm a little nervous. And they're like, don't worry about it. You, you know, we'll help you run. So, <laughs> you know? It was fun. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's just incredible. I mean, aside from the typical, the elephants and the, the, the you know, the, the giraffe and all the other, you know, wonderful African creatures that you see, um, just seeing some of the amazing things with these, all these hippos at the river and, and crocodiles and, you know, crocodiles trying to catch zebras and, you know, things like that. Just fascinating. And so after, so after you were there for the five days or four or five days, mm-hmm. what was your, what was your next stop in your, in your excursion? Yeah. Then I went to Ngorongoro crater, Ooh. Uh, which is an extinct volcanic crater in Tanzania. Um, and because of its, because of it being a crater, it's the animals don't really leave. They're always there. And it is a massive crater. I mean, it's not like, you know, two city blocks. It's massive. But there are flamingos. There are, you know, every creature you can imagine. And it was just stunning. And I there I stayed at a resort, a lodge, actually. And the lodge was up on the cliff overlooking uh, the crater, which... Okay was incredible but funny story there um the buffalo and the zebra just you know of course they walk all over the resort that's you know what they do but the buffalo is incredibly dangerous um the african buffalo is very very dangerous and one night i was walking back to my chalet with uh, my maasai warrior and he um he actually grabbed me and threw me behind him because he shined his light and there was a buffalo standing in front of my uh, chalet oh my gosh yeah so he he scared the buffalo away with his spear and then you know let me into the uh, into the chalet but um, actually one thing I did want to go back to uh, on the previous area in the Serengeti some of the highlights and, and yeah I think you may have some uh, pictures of it I'm not sure but I, I spent some time with the Maasai tribes and um, the Maasai, the Maasais are warriors and we were driving along and he, he asked, uh, the driver asked, would it be okay if, if we picked up this gentleman that was walking? And I said, Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, are you kidding so me? You, let me stop you there for just a second. Cause yeah. I think I have a picture of this. Give me a second and I will bring okay. it up. Is this that, one? Yeah. There you go. That, that's the beginning of it. Yeah. Hold on just one second here. Anyways, go on with your story really quick okay. while I try and bring well, up the Yeah, picture. while I'm telling you. So the gen- the gentleman, um, when when he got in the car, I said to him, aren't you afraid of the lions? And he said, eh, I'm Maasai. And, and, but this is, this is, they're not afraid. So this picture you've got here is some time I spent in the village. 
And they just happen to have concluded their annual tradition where they send out the young men to kill a lion. And they I'm only sorry, kill, I'm sorry, to kill a lion? To kill a lion. They only kill one. And the, the boy that comes back with the lion mane, it, this young man happened to be the one, um, Will is, is, becomes like the most desirable husband, of course, uh, for any of the girls. And just like in high school, just like in high school, (laughs) (laughs) the the quarterback or the lion killer, it's the same thing. Uh, And um, it it was just so it was so amazing. I mean, they invited me into into their huts. They made tea. Um, I I, I got taken to uh, a farm that the women, the women don't farm. The the, the males are, are hunters and the women are gatherers. And but the, the the man that I was with, the the host of the of the camping area, he actually came from a farming tribe. So some time ago, he had asked the the male the warriors, could he teach the the women to farm, and and that would add to their uh, their tribe. And they were fine with that. And he did. And their farm was incredible. I have never seen vegetables. I mean, cabbage like this. It, it was it was mind blowing, and they were so gracious. They they uh, let me take photographs, which I've I've sold all over the world. Actually, some of the photographs of the Maasai warriors and the Maasai women mm-hmm. uh, in particular. Um, and they tried to give me, you know, vegetables and fruit to take home, and I said I I can't. Um, <laughs> I but wish I could. I wish I could, but instead. Uh, May I buy some of your, you know, jewelry and things like that? So I bought a lot of wonderful trinkets to take home, and 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 the the when the place that I was camping at, the glamping, they buy all of their produce from these people at the farm as well. Nice. So they make extra money too. What a great, what a great story. I think, in fact, let me double check here. We have another picture of you. <laughs> so for my, so my, for my, for my listeners out there on the podcast, this is this is Marissa next to some kind of a river with what looks like a elephant bone or femur or something huge. I don't know if it was elephant or hippo. I'm not really sure. I just felt like Wilma Flintstone. Oh my gosh. And I, I, I picked that up and, um, the, the, the gentleman that was the host had Mike was holding my camera and he grabbed my camera and he snapped a couple pictures of me doing that, um, uh, because it was just, it was incredible. It was just, I felt like, I felt like, you know, Fred Flintstone, Wilma Fred Flintstone. It was, it was insane. Well, and, and this is about a good three feet long bone, but it, yes. it kind of also speaks to just how voracious some of the animals are out there. Cause if you have something that's either a hippo or an elephant that's died, this thing looks like it was clear, cleanly picked apart by oh, yeah. I'm sure hyena. And then, you know, all the scavenger birds after that and everything else, they're just going to rip it apart. And then there's like nothing left and it's, and it's even sunbaked a little bit. So yeah, it'd been there for some time and it, go, and it goes in a pecking order. First, the lions, then the hyenas, then the vultures. They yeah. all get their pick. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, actually. Yes. 
So awesome. All right. So back to the crater. Um, so you're there for a little while. You're actually in a lodge. So it's not a tent. Yeah. It's actually an actually structured lodge. Right. This one was a structured lodge on the edge of the crater and um, beautiful. It's called Ngorogoro Crater Lodge. Uh-huh. It's like Ngorogoro uh, <laughs> Crater Lodge and um, named after the crater, of course. Okay. And just Stunning. I mean, I, I, I mean, massages in your room. I, I get back to my after a long drive. Wait, was this a resort? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, nice. and, and, well, and I get back. To, I get back to my room um, after a long game drive. You know, where I, it was rough. I, you know, I was in a truck, and you know, I was taking photographs, and then we stopped for cocktails, uh, sundowners, and um, then I got back, and you know, you have I have you know before dinner, um, just incredible dinners, incredible food, and I get back to my and there's a bath drawn with rose petals. There's a log in the fireplace burning and a carafe of brandy sitting there. So it was really hard. It was wow. Really hard. So, yeah. <laughs> One of the tougher trips I've taken. I can't make up my mind whether or not this is a really dangerous, exhaustive trip or if this is more of a resort situation. I, I, it's a little, you know, it's a, that's the beauty. It's a little bit of both. You can't, you can't, there's no way you can just grab a tent yourself and go and do these things. It's too dangerous. There are, you know, this isn't a zoo. There are wild animals everywhere. Uh, so you, you have to do something like this. You don't have to do a five star, but I was, I was working for a magazine. There was a purpose to behind it. Um, but you, you're going to have some of these experience kinds of experiences, which is why it's so expensive. Um, and to get to another point that we had talked about, I actually booked this from the United States because of the magazine, but you can book it, you know, once you get to somewhere else in South Africa or, um, Africa in general, you can book it from there. Probably going to be a lot cheaper. And from Ngara Ngara Crater, where where did you go from there? From there, I went to. They took me to uh, drop me off in Dar es Salaam, flew me back uh, to Dar es Salaam. Okay. Um, and then I was on my own, and I went to. Um, I, I took. I was in a hotel there, and then I went to uh, Zanzibar. Oh, which- nice which is part of uh, Tanzania. Uh, But historically, during the Second World War, Tanzania was Tanganyika. Okay. And then you had Zanzibar, which was a different country. After World War II, they became one country and they became Tanzania. So um, went off to Zanzibar. And Zanzibar is actually, and and part of Dar es Salaam too, is actually Muslim, whereas the rest of uh, Tanzania is not. It's more Christian. And, and, and tribal. But uh, Zanzibar is completely Muslim and just a fascinating place. I, I was there just when, um, uh, before the election, I was there in September of 2008. And there was this young boy who looked a lot like Obama. And he had, it was called the Obama tree. And he used to stand under it with the hope poster of Obama. Uh-huh. And, and just, you know, just, he tried to imitate Obama's talking and he, it was, it was fantastic. And I, I did video of him and then he gave me a keychain um, that he had carved in the shape of Zanzibar 
and it said uh, Zanzibar on one side, and the flip side said Obama 08. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was it, Zanzibar. I, I just, the people, the people in Tanzania were just amazing, just lovely, lovely people. I have a question for you. Uh, is the government uh, primarily democratic? Because I had also heard that at one point, the Sultan of Oman moved to Zanzibar. And so I, I wasn't sure if there was like a, a monarchy piece to you know, Tanzania and Zanzibar, yeah. or if there wasn't. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all one country now, but but yeah, there there is um, there there's there's no friction there. I mean, it, you know, and it's Africa, which which means things can change from decade to decade. Yeah, um, it's it, it just part of the the makeup of the land. Um, when I was there, everything was very very peaceful. Um, as a matter of fact, an interesting thing, Zanzibar was really home to slavery. Um, a lot of slaves first ended up in Zanzibar uh, when it was run by a sultan. And, um, you know, this was quite some time ago. It's home to the shortest war in the world, 15-minute uh, war, uh, where the um, the uh, the actually uh, Livingston um, saw that the slave trade was happening there and he went back to Britain and got um, the Navy, uh, convinced the king, they got the Navy, they went to Zanzibar, they stood off the coast and said, you've got 15 minutes to end slavery or we attack. And they decided to end slavery. I so, but they're they're really interesting on Zanzibar itself. There are amazing uh, monuments to, um, to to slavery. There's there's a, a a church actually, a Christian church on Zanzibar, um, where they they have a, a statues of just a, a slave trade pit where it's it just it, it, it's. Yeah, I can't even explain it. It, it. It's moving. It's very moving. And and Livingston is a huge hero in Tanzania um, for things he did for the people. Excellent. And how long were you in Zanzibar? Bar? I went to Zanzibar just for the day. Um, you, you can take a ferry over or you can fly. And being I just was going to do it for the day, I did. Um, one of the reasons, uh, aside from the cultural aspect, one of the other reasons I went to Zanzibar is because it's home to, uh, it's the only home to a very rare uh, primate. Um, and uh, the name escapes me at the moment. But um, I took, it's, it's in the Josani Forest. Okay. And I took um, a lot of photographs. I mean, they were just two feet away, less than two feet away. Uh, but it's the only place in the world that they exist. Excellent. Wonderful. And how long, so you were only there for like a day and then wh yeah. where were you after that? Or did you just end up? I flew back, back to Dar es Salaam. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Wonderful. And then I assume after you flew back to Dar es Salaam, then you had headed back to South Africa and then. Yeah, then I headed back to South Africa. Okay. Fantastic. So how was your return? Was there any major complications or problems with heading back to the States after that? No, not at all. Um, you know, again, it was 2008, but that, that was not that long after um, after 9-11. I mean, it, it was still very fresh in people's memories, but um, no problems whatsoever. Um, I had my yellow fever certificate, um, all of those things. So, you know, my vaccination certificate, no problem. No, just welcome back. Welcome home. <laughs> you have a good time. Welcome home. Yeah. And see, so you don't have any problems with like... Um uh, time change issues where like I do. No, no. So I do. 
Excellent. Um, so let's talk post-vacation. So what are the pros of going on a trip like this? Life-altering. Um, uh, probably one of the most amazing experiences you'll have in life um, is to just be embedded in a, a, not only a culture, but a place like the Serengeti. Uh, it, 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 it can be, I think it can be really life altering and just incredibly memorable for people. Wonderful. I'm glad it, it provided you with a lot of memories and even yeah. better pictures too. So oh, yeah. <laughs> great stuff. Now, in terms of things someone would want to be aware of, not that there's a cons to going on trips like this, but I mean, if it's a first time for someone to do something like this, what are some important things that you would want the travelers to be aware of? You know, that's a great question. Um, it alludes back to something I said a little while ago. You know, things in Africa can change frequently and you have to be intensely aware of the political situation of any place you're going to um, just before you go. I mean, even if you've planned it. Uh, I was supposed to be in Rwanda uh, photographing the gorillas when the war broke out in 94. So... Yeah, you you have to you have to be keenly aware of political situations, um, keep abreast of things like that, and 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 then you'll be fine. And that that's really the only thing to be aware of is what's happening in a part of the world, especially in Africa, that you're going to. Excellent. And then because you've been in the travel industry for so long, what were some of the things that you would offer for my students in terms of value adds, cost savings, best practices? What are some things that might help them when making a trip like this? The, the value, the, well, the cost savings, again, I would say, you know, investigate the prices from here, but also, um, you know, if you have a contact or if you're willing to wait, uh, you can also look locally and oftentimes you can get packages a lot cheaper uh, through the local market, even, you know, somewhere in Africa, whether you're in Kenya or South Africa uh, beforehand, you can probably get packages that are going to be a lot less expensive because, of course, they're, they're not catering to the American dollar. Um, so that, that's a cost savings. Uh, value as is definitely, you know, spend some time on your own, if you can, a day or two wandering around, um, you know, the city. Like you get to, to Dar es Salaam, for example, spend a day wandering that on your own. Um, go off to Zanzibar. You don't need a guide to go to Zanzibar. You can do it on your own. So things like that, the value adds are really, you're there. You've taken a lot of time and money to get so far away. It is the other side of the world. Don't rush in and rush home. You know, get give yourself give yourself extra time before and after some downtime, some self explore things like that. Wonderful. Well, again, Marissa, you are you do such a great job of sharing your best knowledge in this. So again, thank you so much for all that you do. It really means a lot to me. And my pleasure for my students that are out there. Uh, if you want to get more information on Marissa, or just take a look at some of the photos that she's done, she's got an amazing series of photos, not just on her website, which is at um, www.fredericophotography.com, but also on Facebook. Uh, you can see the link here. Um, I'll post the link note in the in the show notes as well for those that are on the podcast. And then again, um, if you're on Instagram, you can see some of her stuff there at Frederico Photography. Um, other than that, um, 
again, Marissa, thank you so much for sharing your time. It really My means pleasure. the world to me. Um, for those of you who have general questions for me, you can certainly send them to scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you're on YouTube right now and you haven't already done so, click the bell icon right above us here. See that right up there? That'll help in order to notify you when new videos come out. If you haven't already done so, feel free to subscribe. It doesn't cost anything and it really helps out the channel. And then finally, if you like content like this, give us a like, give us a thumbs up on that. We really appreciate that. If you're listening on the podcast, please rate us and review us. We really appreciate the feedback. But until next time, my name is Scott. I am the Professor Travel and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.